This show is brought to you in part by Temple Sporting Goods, powered by AdCraft. For more information on creating great gear for your team, contact them at 563-243-1304 or at templesports.com. Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here. I am John Cooperless this week, but I do have Dort head football coach Joel Penner with me tonight. Coach, how you doing? Corey, I'm doing great and excited to visit with you a little bit. Hey, so how are y'all doing over there in Iowa? I know I know here in Florida we're we're having a kind of a second second round of, of COVID or how's how's all that treating you over there? Well I think I think we're all just uh chomping at the bit to uh to play football again i know that's everywhere in the country Uh, it's become uh, a real challenge for some to think about you know how to do that safely and wisely um but uh you know we're blessed i think in this region of the country just because there's uh just a low population density and and so spread is is uh, a little bit less um you know like my kids are at the pool and there's a lot of comfortability, uh, I guess, with how people interact with one another uh, in our community. We're, we're, we've been blessed with fairly low cases, and so um, you know. But heart goes out to those communities that are different, um, and especially the, the football players and coaches that are looking at uh, you know major season interruption. Certainly hoping that that doesn't happen here. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, this is going to date this podcast a little bit, but. Uh... We lost our first Division One conference today, the the MEAC, and so, you know, as as we go and get closer to football season, the 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 season is going to suss itself out a little bit, and and we're, we'll get a, a clearer picture. But let's talk about uh, Dort here for a minute. You're entering your fourth season uh, with the Defenders, and um, I I got to know for the for the uh, previous. Four seasons or so uh, before you took over um, in Sioux Center, um, Dort had uh, was kind of stuck in a, a two and nine rut. How uh, how do you go about changing a culture of two and nine? Yeah, good question, Corey. Um, actually, I'm going into my fifth year. Oh. I, sometimes it feels like it's my fourth. Time is flying, but uh, excited to to enter year five here. But uh, yeah, I think there's no one or two things that uh, you, you've got to do when you take, take over a program. I think I think at the outset, we, uh, we really wanted to, to come in with a very clear and compelling vision. Um, you know, it's one thing to start a program. It's another to take over a mediocre program. But when you take over a program that's history is two or less wins for eight years straight, uh, and that's really the, 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 uh, the history of the program. It started in 2008. And so, um, yeah, you, you've got to come in. And I, I always kind of liken it to uh, the shock and awe philosophy. Um, I, I feel like if we had come in and said, hey, you know, let's, let's just get a little bit better and, and see, if we can, uh, see if we can improve a little bit. I think if I came in and said that, uh, I think it would have been, I think it would have been tough sledding because I don't I don't know that anyone is really inspired by let's try and get a little bit better. We want to do what we call industry standard football, and uh, and so we've been able to kind of keep that vision in front of the guys. Um, I think you have to get the right people on on the bus, so to speak. You know, Dort is uh, there's a lot of filters when you recruit to Dort. You, you need to find the right academic kids because 
you know, it's a, it's a tough school and academics are really important. And so finding the, the guys who can go to class, um, is, is essential. Um, you know, it's a faith-based school. And so, uh, we, we, we have to bring in guys, uh, we want to bring in guys who are going to fit the DNA of our, of our school's culture, guys who want to grow in their faith. And so, you know, right away, you've just narrowed down such a large uh, population. But that when you find the right guy, it's, it's really awesome to see the, the unification that happens on your team. Uh, and then, you know, with staff, it's the same thing. you got to have the right staff. And Man, I, I just I can't say enough about the group of coaches that I, I call my brothers. We've, we've got every single coach on our staff has been in our program now for four years to a man. I mean, that's, I don't know that I've ever experienced that in my 20 year coaching career to have that kind of consistency at, at our level is kind of unheard of. And so I think that's been a, a real big, a real big part of it. And then, uh, they is, is just genuine authentic relationships and working really hard, um, with our, our recruits, our players. And then when they graduate, become alums just to, just to make sure that those relationships are at the forefront of what uh, of what our program's about. And so I think it's really easy to talk about relationships. It's really hard to do relationships. And so I think we're in the business of trying to do relationships very well. Uh, and that, that sometimes means hard conversations. Sometimes that means, uh, you know, disappointment and dealing with it. But it's honest and it's uh, something we work at really hard. So. We've just been we've just been plugging away, Corey, these last uh, four years, going into year five, and I think uh, I came in at the beginning and I said this this there's no way this is going to be a quick turnaround. We were going to recruit four year guys. Uh, we we weren't going to do a, a ton of transfer recruiting, and so that I know that meant means uh, meant that would take a while. And uh, keep plugging away, and we have a saying: the longer we play, the better we get. And so. You know, we're hoping that uh, proves true, especially this season. So, I, you know, that, that phrase, that industry standard phrase, I don't know that I have seen any NAIA team use their phrase um, more than Dort has. That really does permeate every graphic, um, every tweet. Um, it seems like everything you do, especially in the classroom, talk a little bit about, about, uh, you know, what, what y'all are doing in the classroom. Yeah, well, that's, it's pretty cool to hear you say that. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, academically, uh, when I was in my interview four or five years ago, whatever it has been now, four and a half. And, uh, I, I'm with our college president, uh, Eric Hoekstra. Uh, we were talking about academic expectations, and I, and I told him, I said, one of our team goals is going to be that we get a 3.0 GPA. It had not happened in, in school history. Um, and so I said, that's going to be one of our goals, and we're going to pursue that one very hard. And when we get it, we're going to create a, almost like we just won the conference. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a really good time. So uh, about two years ago, we achieved that for the first time. And uh, I'll tell you what, we had a party. We had uh, ordered T-shirts for the guys, somebody's shout-outs, uh, selfies sent to us. We had, you know, multiple NFL players reach out that we had somehow had a connection with. And we had 
professors on campus uh, chime in on a video and, and coaches, you know, I won't tell you everything that we did, but we went nuts in, in our team meeting and just really celebrated it. And so we've, we've just tried to uh, consistently say that if this excellence, you know, this industry standard belief system only shows up in the football field, then it's going to die right when you graduate. And it'll have been really cool because we'll, we'll have won some football games and it'll help help turn our program around, but it's not going to live. It needs to show up in other areas of your life. You can't just be great um, in, in the things that lead you to greatness in football. That's certainly a huge part of what we value. But uh, we, we really preach that it needs to show up in other aspects of life as well. And certainly academics are, are one of those. Um, you know, I think we, uh, we take a little bit different approach when it comes to academic accountability in our program. Um, there's, there's a real, uh, I guess, ownership. We, we don't have study hall. We don't, we don't do what I kind of think of as babysitting for our guys. We, we do time management planning. We have a weekly meeting. With, it's, it's all about planning your week. We have uh, a great academic support center and tutoring is available. And we require I got our guys to go tutoring, but uh, I just felt like study hall was, was counterproductive in a number of ways. And so once we did away with, with that, made those changes, I think our guys really own the process uh, of academics and, and it's, it's going pretty well. One thing that makes the GPAC an interesting conference um, for me is kind of your the some of the closeness that you get, um, especially y'all with um, being an hour away from Briarcliff and Morningside who share a city and being um, you know county rivals um, with with Northwestern. Um, talk about a little bit about the uh, the relationship between these two sister reformed schools here. <laughs> well, that's, that's fun to talk about because I actually was the offensive coordinator at Northwestern. I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it makes the rivalry all the more fun to know that, you know, when I look across the sideline, I'm, I'm seeing some old friends. And uh, when they look across, they see the same in me. So a lot of relationships, uh, you know, we share a Walmart. Uh, and so you're going to, you're going to run into folks from both communities. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun. I, the way that both towns get behind, uh, the, the local college and it's, it's a rivalry that goes way beyond, uh, you know, my time. It goes way beyond door football as we're only, you know, 13 years old now. It's, uh, it's, it's one that we've got to do a better job. You know, there's two teams in this conference that uh, we have not beat yet in our history and, uh, you know, that's certainly in our sights and something we want to accomplish. So how does that work when you go into the Walmart? Do you like count how many how many racks of, of Dort shirts they have and then count the, the Northwestern shirts and then make sure that you're getting equal representation here? Yeah, you know, I, I when I say we share a Walmart, I guess we the Walmart's <laughs> in our town. But, okay, uh, okay. You know, uh, Orange City doesn't have a Walmart, so you see a lot of folks over here. Yeah, I, 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 I try not to... Uh, get too caught up in, 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 uh, you know, who's kind of representing who, but it is funny because you, you know, in a small community, you kind of know like, Oh, well, this business is, they're kind of a Northwestern business. You know, those, those families have traditionally been Northwestern families and, you know, maybe this, this church or this company or this gas station, or even this store over here, that's kind of a dork family, you know? And, and, uh, 
let's just say the bloodlines run deep. And when I look at it overall, for the most part, it's very healthy. And um, I think at the end of the day, both communities really appreciate uh, the institutions and they, they, they benefit the, the communities. Um, makes for great basketball games, football games, volleyball games. The crowd is, you know, we don't have a, a division one program, you know, in the area. And so it sure people travel and go to uh, other cities to watch uh, big time college football. But for the most part, uh, college football fans cheer for their uh, local schools. And that's, that's really something uh, throughout the GPAC that I've really enjoyed is small market, you know, smaller towns who really get behind their college. And so when you go to a game in South Dakota, uh, playing Dakota Wesleyan, you know, when you go to Hastings in Nebraska or you go to Sioux City uh, to play Morningside or Briarcliff, those communities really back their schools. And, and that, that's just a lot of fun to be in that environment. I, I was at a different NAI school in a major city where I played, and there were neighbors across the road that didn't even know we had a football team. And so uh, it, it's it's a really fun experience to you know, be support in, in, those, uh, in those games. Definitely makes for a fun atmosphere, I, I can imagine. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll bring it, I'll bring up the school if you, if, if you won't, um, your uh, what you're referencing is Trinity International. You were a tight end there at Trinity. You see a lot of different position groups that make it to being a head coach. Um, see, you know, you see a lot of linebackers, uh, you know, a lot of former quarterbacks, um, a few offensive linemen who, um, become head coaches, some kickers. Um, what, what does, what does being a tight end help you, help you do when, when you're, uh, being the head coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that anyone's ever asked me that. Um, I think I played tight end in an offense. Well, let me just put it this way. Uh, one year I was our team's leading receiver and I had 12 receptions. Uh, if that, if that tells you anything about the style of offense, I would tackle that was eligible. And, uh, you know, so I had, I had a lot of appreciation for what happens in the trenches. You know, um, I was an undersized tight end. Um, I think I weighed 220 at my at my heaviest, and you know, I had to succeed against guys who were definitely bigger and stronger than me. And so, uh, you you learn a, a lot about what happens in between, you know, near near the lines, and so. Um, you know, if you, if you watch our style of play at all at Dort, you can probably see that influence. Uh, but, uh, you know, right away, I, I guess I was fortunate because early in my career, I was given responsibilities uh, I probably wasn't ready for, but they really stretched my, just my knowledge of the game. You know, I coached on defense as a GA, um, coaching two secondary positions. And then uh, I got to coordinate the passing game part of my time as a GA. And so I had a really good diverse experience in my young coaching career that I think prepared me more than more than actually playing did. And uh, you know now I I have a tremendous offensive coordinator, tremendous defensive coordinator, and my special teams uh, coaches is is really really good. Um, they could all handle it without me. There's no question. But as I like to tell my offensive coordinator all the time, I just like football too much to give it up. And you know how it works in small college staffs. I mean, your, your head coach is audition. But uh, I'm not calling the plays. Um, coach Mingo does a tremendous job with that. We've had a, a 
just a really potent offense uh, the last uh, last couple of years, and uh, he lets me coach the quarterback, so I appreciate that. So let's let's talk about your your team uh, a little bit. You have a seven and four season last year. You play three, if I'm counting correctly, teams that make it to the playoff, including you know a, a pretty decently tight game against Kaiser to start off the season. Both were ranked. Um, but you've got a, a lot coming back uh, this year from a team that did well a year ago. Uh, you know, you're, you're bringing back your, your starting quarterback, um, who is a definite threat to, to run the football, almost uh, racking up a 1,000 yards on the ground, um, and a weapon in the special teams game, which is not a statement I think I've ever said about a quarterback. Um, yeah. Did did I see that right? A seventy-one yard punt. That's that's yeah, what. That... It, uh, yeah. Noah Noah's just you know he's just got uh, you'd have to see see it to believe it. Kind of an athlete. He's transferred from the University of Iowa. He was the Gatorade State Player of the Year. He was twenty-four and zero as a starter at Pella uh, Community High School here in Iowa. That Iowa team for two years and. Played it, played his redshirt freshman year, and uh, we were fortunate enough to bring him here as a quarterback, and found out the guy's got a leg too, so he, he has punted a little bit for us. So also coming back um, is your running back um, Carter Skibout, uh, who ran for 535 yards. You are losing a thousand yard rusher, but you are bringing back. Two offensive linemen uh, who were all conference a year ago, as well as a wide, as your leading wide receiver. Talk about uh, talk about your offense and what you're expecting in 2020. Yeah, so I think when when I look at, at what uh, what we lost to graduation, probably there's probably five guys that were difference makers. Four guys that graduated um, in that category, and uh, you know, like cliche. To say it, you don't you don't replace the, the guys. You try to replace the production. You know, with with uh, uh, Levi Sconehoven graduating, I think you just go back to our track record. I mean, we, we showed up at Dort, and um, we've had we had the nation's leading rusher right away that first year. He was he was a guy who who wasn't the starter on the team the year before, and so there's an ability to reload. And I feel really confident about the backs. You mentioned Carter. We've got some other young guys as well who I'm just thrilled about. They're going to come in, and, and uh, I just think we're going to keep getting better at the running back position. Uh, and then, uh, you know, offensive line, you mentioned our two all-conference O-linemen. They're, they're both 6'6 six, six tackles, uh, t- tremendously athletic and great range and uh, great leaders. You know, usually we talk about trying to anchor our offensive line from the inside out. I think, I think this season our tackles is, is kind of where the discussion starts. Um, and then you mentioned Levi Jungling, our leading receiver. You know, he's been an all-conference guy since his freshman year. And so hard to believe he's already a senior. He's gone by way too but uh, we're, we're really excited about uh, just getting smarter and smarter each year with how to utilize him and his skill set. He, he got hurt in that first game last year. And it took him, you know, it was four, four-ish, five weeks before he was back. And so he really had an interrupted season. Um, but I think the All-American discussion. Defensively, you're you're bringing back a guy at each level there that is definitely a difference maker on your line. You've got uh, David Kakmarinski, 
there with um, you know 50 tackles, seven sacks, and two uh, two big man picks. You know, gotta give the uh, gotta give the D linemen some love when they when they pick off multiple passes in a year. Um, John, well, and one of them one of them was a touchdown. So you, and then uh, one was a pick six. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll I'll take video on that if you've got that one. Um, Josh Mrazek at linebacker, 83 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, and Jalen Placide at corner with 50 tackles and two picks of his own. Looking at your defense, what are you thinking about for next year? Well, what I'm excited about is is they're all back. I mean, we we did not graduate as a starter, excuse me, and uh, that's really really good. We've been playing with freshmen. For four years, it seems like we're playing with youth all over the field, and somehow our defense finally got old and experienced. And so, uh, you know, in, in a lot of programs that play upperclassmen, um, obviously that's the goal. I played till their junior or senior year. What we've got on the field next year is a bunch of guys who have played a lot of college football. And uh, so, yeah, you said at each level, and that's exactly right. David David Kekmarinski, believe it or not, was a high school quarterback and uh, we had vision for him as a defensive lineman and he's really he's just been incredible uh, and Josh Morazic will, will anchor our linebacker core tremendous leader just a tough kid you know he's one of those guys that if you if you had him at a camp or a combine and tested him out you probably wouldn't think a whole lot uh, that, that, he, that he could turn into the player that he has one of those true Mike linebacker types uh, you mentioned Jalen. Jalen's a kind of a utility defensive back. He we moved him around. I mean, it's not too often you play a guy at corner and safety, but he could go really in and out uh, depending on packages and personnel and different calls that we were making. So uh, Nathan Kabongo is a is another senior corner and uh, was a, a second team All Conference guy two years ago. So just really excited. I mean, if if you're asking me what am I most excited about on the the team, I would say our defense coming back is. It's just really, really, uh, I guess we're just really excited about that group and all the football they've played. And I think they've seen subtle improvements each year. Last year, they were number one in takeaways in the, in the country. And so there's a lot of hunger in that group. So can't wait to get them on campus. Schedule-wise, um, you know, obviously um, the schedule is a little bit different than that which you had originally intended. But in terms of COVID-changed schedules, it's not bad for, for your defenders. Um, you're getting um, Northwestern and Morningside at your place this year. You end the season at home. How, how do you, with everything that's been going on this year, and with all the changes and all the chaos and everything that we're seeing, how do you get your guys to home in? focus and take a step forward in 2020 yeah it's how do you do it when you're all spread out too i mean it's going to be it's going to be five months when we report uh in august it's going to be five months almost to the day when we sent everybody home for spring break and we we haven't seen a lot of our guys since we're fairly spread out uh our roster we've got We've got a lot of guys within that eight-hour range, but then we've got quite a few that get on airplanes to come to college. So how do you do that when, when you've been apart for so long? I mean, like everybody, we've we've really leveraged uh, technology. And, you know, I, I, I got to admit I've become pretty good with the Zooms and the webinars and all that, uh, a lot of experience on that. We've, uh, we've tried to give our guys kind of a rally cry for the summer. Um, we sent them all uh, 
chain links, individual links, and we asked them all to be be a strong link because uh, in August we're going to put that that uh, all those links together and form a chain. And you know, as you know, it only takes one week link for that whole chain to break. And so we've tried to give them some of a sort of a visual uh, representation of, of what each of them are and, and ought to be. You know, we're going to start off our camp. I take our seniors and, and our leadership group on a camping trip. And uh, so we drive out to Wyoming and we get up in the mountains and there's no cell reception, uh, which is awesome to get away from that for three or four days. And we, uh, we take hikes and we eat good food and we have a great time getting our mind right. That's going to be a really important trip for us this year, given how long we've been apart. And uh, I think that trip really sets the tone for our season. But, you know, I, I love this phrase that our college president used. Um, he said, you know, if it's raining at Dort, it's pouring at a lot of other places. Mm. And that's not uh, said in a spirit of, hey, look at us. We, we're, it's not that bad. It's it's compassionate. You know, we care that we know it's tougher at some other places, but it's also a, a, an expression of gratitude. You know, you mentioned it. My, my schedule, I lost one game and that's it. I mean, I didn't have to change a thing. I still have a bye in the middle of the season. You know, the two top teams in our league, we got them at home. I'm very thankful for how we've kind of landed through this diff- very difficult time. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think we all have to beat that uh, first round of, of COVID testing that we're all going to go through. You know, that's that's a big day for every NEIA program when we go in to test before our first game. Uh, we, we need to come out with as few negatives as possible, and I'm, I'm hoping for every team in the country that that's the case so that we all can have uninterrupted football uh, this fall. But, uh, you know, we just obviously we don't know what's going to happen. So I think with our guys, Corey, it's just been it's just been uh, remember who we are. Try to keep it in front of them all the time. Keep them connected with just player accountability. Um, And then uh, I think I think we're going to be ready to go when we show up. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on the show this evening. I know um, John and I both are looking forward to seeing some actual football getting through this long, dark, sportsless summer, uh, by far the strangest summer uh, that, that I've ever seen, and probably for most living Americans, that's the same way. Um, and we can't wait to see some NAI football come September. Well, Corey, you, I definitely feel the same way and just wanted to, let you know, uh, I know NAIA coaches appreciate the uh, exposure that you've given uh, our league and, you know, some of the creative ways that you've done that. I think our our uh, Dort fan base really enjoyed the Logo Wars and uh, had a good time with that. But uh, appreciate all you do, and uh, thanks for, uh, for talking a little bit today. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. All right, so that was head coach Joel Pinner of Dort University, uh, formerly Dort College. They made the transition to university status in 2019. Let's talk a little GPAC football here. Um, I am Johnless again, like I said before, so we will uh, probably keep this short. We've talked to a few GPAC coaches this offseason. Um, obviously, we talked to Morningside's Steve Ryan. Um, we've also talked to Northwestern's Matt McCarty and, obviously, Dort's Joel Penner. Um Really and truly, and, and John feels the same way. The, the uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. Um, 
this divi- this conference is morning sides to lose um, in terms of the division winner. Um, they've just got so much coming back from a national championship team <clears throat> a year ago. You're bringing back um, your your forty uh, your four thousand yard quarterback your almost 2,000-yard running back, and another one that chipped in another 675 yards. You're, you're bringing back an almost 1,400-yard receiver. Um, you know, the, the, the question for them is really going to be on defense. Can you, can, can you replace Deion Claiborne and Clayton Nordine? The Cats are twins. Um, and a couple of offensive linemen along with uh, Bo Ells, who was electric in the return game. Um... And and obviously for someone who's won two game or two national championships in a row, how do you keep the message fresh? How do you keep the players hungry um, for success? That's really going to be the question for Morningside this year. Uh, let me pull up their schedule real quick. Didn't do this before. <coughs> Excuse me. And I can cut out all of this. Fantastic. So for the 2020 season, Morningside gets Northwestern at home uh, to, to start out. Um, they get Briarcliff at home. Um, they get Dort on the road, uh, and and they get, looking for their bye week here real quick, they get a bye week pretty early on in the season after Midland, their second game. Um, you know, how do you, how do you handle that schedule? It's, it's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty nice schedule for, for Morningside. Um, you know, so how does, how does Steve Ryan leverage his, um, just amazing culture that he's built at at Morningside um, in in twenty years to go back to back to back. Now Northwestern is is kind of the 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 bridesmaid the last couple years of the G Pack. They're returning their fair share of folks too. A um, three thousand yard quarterback Tyson Tyson Coima. Uh, Shane Solberg, almost uh, 1,300 yards, um, and, a, and a tight end uh, who is all-conference as well. They are losing a couple of linebackers, uh, including one who had the century mark and tack- tackles Tanner Mahachek. If I'm butchering that, forgive me, Tanner. Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting for Northwestern. John and I are both going different ways in the G-Pack in terms of our dark horse this year. Um, I'm going with Dort. I think that that Dort has a really nice shot of building upon what they've been doing. They've kind of been going in spurts um, with Coach Penner. Um, 
you know, they, they go from this long bout of two and nine to a couple of, of five win seasons. Now they've had a couple of seven win seasons. I think this is the year they might put it all together. Um, not saying they're going to run the table, win the G-Pack, but I think they're going to be, um, if the G, if when the G-Pack gets a second team, like they have for the last couple of years, at least, um, I think they're going to be the second team out of the out of the G Pack this year. We'll have to see what Northwestern brings. Obviously, Northwestern is is definitely still vying for that second spot, um, and they're and they're still well positioned to get it. I think I think Dort kind of has their coming out party this year. John is going with Briarcliff as his dark horse, as the one to watch out for. Um, pull their schedule real quick. Um. You know how how do they how do they do as the little brother almost to Morningside same city. Um, you know can they can they get out from underneath the um, the shadow of Morningside and kind of make their own way? Uh, they were flirting with the top twenty five last year. Um, you know so they'll have to see. Um, what they can get for the Chargers. They get Morningside, quote-unquote, away. It's probably like five, ten minutes away at that. Um, you've got Dort at home. You've got Northwestern away. Um, with... A bye week. I am not seeing a bye week. September 12th, 19th, 26th, October 3rd. Ah, there it is. Uh, with the bye week in be- right after Morningside. Um, <clears throat> it's not a bad spot for a bye week. Um, it really preps you for your for your last run there at Hastings at Dakota Wesleyan at, uh, versus Dorton at Northwestern. Um, that's a pretty rough back half of your schedule, to be honest. Um, four of your last five games are are on the road, if you want to call Morningside on the road. Um, you know, so can the Chargers overcome um, that and be road warriors and make some noise in the G-Pack? We'll just have to see. Um, but again... I think this is Morningside's to lose. If they can't keep up the intensity, if they lose focus, um, you know, some of these other teams will be glad to take advantage. Um, You heard it in Coach Penner's voice. He said there are two teams that we have not that that we have not beaten. That'd be Morningside and and Northwestern there. Um. I'm going to go with a with a big board prediction. I'm going to say that one of those two teams, Morningside or Northwestern, uh, will see their first loss against Dort this year. Um, really want to see um, some growth in Noah Clayberg. Um, was a below 50% passer last year. Even though he is a, a threat 
on the ground with 11 touchdowns and almost 1,000 yards rushing. Um, he's really got to look at eliminating his turnovers. Seven picks last year as opposed to seven <clears throat> touchdown passes. you got to make sure that you're putting the ball in Levi Jung Jungling's hands. Um, you know, you got to make sure you're being smart with the football. Um, if they can, if they can grow a little bit, and he shows uh, some some growth under center, um, Dort's going to have a really good season. That's really the biggest question mark. I think this is a this is going to be a boomer bust year for them, and that's why they're my dark horse. Um, so stay with us. We will have some more teams coming up. I'm looking to continue to to preview teams as we continue our countdown to the NAIA season. We are eagerly awaiting, um, you know, word from all these schools. You know, August 15th is, is uh, from the point of taping a month away. Um, and keep your eyes peeled for then for, you know, which schools are, are getting positive COVID responses and, 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 you know, which schools just can't do it. Um, and we'll see what we've got. It's going to be a really, really interesting next two months for NAI football. Um, if we don't have football, in in all honesty, we'll probably start talking a little bit about flag football. Um, we're really excited about that. So, um, you know, keep it keep it locked here. We will uh, not be lost for content here at NAIAF Ball. We are too much of football junkies to go without football. So for the non-present John Cooper, I am Corey Thorpe, and we will see you next week.